what are the responsibilities of a real estate professional? These days, the answer isn't so simple. From designing websites and logos, to blogging and social media, to managing all kinds of software, today's real estate pros have a wider range of tasks than ever before. Sometimes, with all that extra work, agents lose sight of their most important priority, to grow their business. But Via Williams has her eye on the prize. For Via, the devil isn't in the details, it's in the big picture. With every transaction, every interaction measured against a clear, long-term vision of success. As a real estate coach and leader to an award-winning team, Via has helped dozens of agents build a more methodical and more thoughtful business. In this far-reaching interview, Via Williams offers her tips for building a clear, confident real estate brand and explains why long-term planning is the best way to achieve short-term success. This is Katrina Benton with Alaska Real Estate Team at Keller Williams Realty in Anchorage, Alaska. This is Matt Wagner from Radio and Television Experts. Hi, this is Via Williams from the Via Group at Keller Williams Realty in Seattle, and you are listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now here's your host, Seth Price. Awesome, Via. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to chat with you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So tell us about the work you're doing at the VIA Group. You are in the top 1% of Keller Williams worldwide for volume sold. And kudos to you, by the way. That's, Thank you. That, that's no small feat. Um, what do you think is fueling that success? I love that question. What is fueling that success? I have 11 amazing agents that are fueling that success. And, um, and it's all about them. So I would say what, what's fueling my success or anybody's success is um, having a growth mindset and then hiring people to come alongside me that also have a, a growth mindset who are very committed to you know, their personal individual goals and the team goals, the team vision and mission. And you've been in this business since 2001, two, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, I think it kind of makes me a little unique because I, you know, I, I started the VIA group, uh, December of 2013. So, you know, what, a little over three years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I had been an agent for a dozen years prior yeah. to that. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't come into this business. I mean, it took me a lot, you know, a while to figure this whole thing out. And so I was a, you know, I, I was a pretty successful individual agent. I mean, I, you know, I had an assistant. There was a couple busy times kind of around 20, 2006, 2007, where I, you know, yeah. I maybe had someone helping me show houses. I had never even, I didn't even know teams existed. If yeah. they did exist back then, I certainly wasn't exposed to it. Right. So yeah. 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 That's fantastic. I mean, I, I think, you know, that's probably great for some of the folks to hear because often I'm interviewing folks that, oh, I just got into the business three years ago and now they're crushing totally. it. Do you know what I mean? It's like that, that syndrome of like, wow, were they yeah. just lucky or what was the deal? Yep. It's nice to hear the progression. Um, I think I want to talk a little bit about, um, I think you brand yourself really well. And I think one of the hardest parts 
of building a great brand is understanding not only who your audience is, but where you fit into the market. What was that process like finding yourself, like finding who VIA was and who the VIA group was? How did you decide on where you ended up? Yeah. I love, I love talking about branding because I get asked about it a lot. And for those of you who are listening on audio, I encourage you, and this isn't a self-promotion thing. I encourage you to look at our stuff because I actually do think we we've done a pretty amazing job branding ourselves. And, and I, I say that for you to learn, not, not you, from you, being from well, a place you, of I want to second that because you give it a lot of thought. And it's the only reason I know that is that it's hard work to mm-hmm. do clear messaging and beautiful design. It doesn't just happen. No. <laughs> you have to no. fight for it. You totally have to fight for it. And so this is why I love that you asked that question. I, I rarely get a chance to talk about it. And and I remember when I was um, in my early 20s and my first job out of college was running, running the marketing, no surprise, running the marketing for a group of um, builders and developers. That's how I got started in this industry. And, and I took a class, I got into, it's called, what was it? I can't remember. School of Visual Concepts in downtown Seattle. I'm based in Seattle. And we had to, I had to send them a portfolio to get in. It was one of those art schools. And so I I had done enough marketing that I, I got in and I took an art direction class and I was 23 maybe. And that frameworked everything I've ever done as, as a real estate agent and now as a business owner on marketing because I understood from a very early age and early in my career what my role was always going to be. I was never going to be the graphic designer. Yeah. I was going to be the art director. And I learned how to set up photo shoots, how to be purposeful about how to, how to talk to a graphic designer, how to give them the scope of what I wanted, how to convey what it was I was trying to, to do to them, you know, from a very early age. And it's been, you know, two decades of doing that. So when I sat down with my graphic designer to design the initial logo, which a lot of you guys listening are probably at that stage where you're thinking you may want to invest in a logo, I was super purposeful and super specific. And I said to him, I said, Greg, I want you to design an iconic logo. I want an iconic logo. I don't want a type logo. I want an iconic logo. And I want it to work on signage because I know that it, as a real estate agent, if it works on signage, it's going to work on all of my other applications. And my yeah. goal is if someone sees two or three of my signs, that it's going to implant so strongly visually in their heads that they're going to think I have more market share than I have. Yeah. That and and that, that's how it started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it can work on any platform if it can work on a sign. As a real estate agent, I think I think your primary focus needs to be a sign. Get away. Stop with the cursive, everybody. Stop. Oh, no. Stop trying oh, to find. You know what I mean? Like you know, we just need to have super simple graphics that work on signs. So I want to touch on three things you said. So one is you use the term art director, and I think that many people fail to understand that that's partly their role. Like if you're, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're responsible for your own brand. So you're an independent contractor, if you're an agent and if you have a brokerage or a team, you've got a bunch of people you're sort of responsible for empowering and mm-hmm. being an art director means that you have to make some decisions, but you also need to empower the person that's the creative yes. Yes. so they can do their best work. Being yes. dictatorial <laughs> doesn't get their best work because you're not a designer. 
anytime somebody says, Hey, can you, can you look at, and I get it a lot. I love it. One of my favorite things to do is when, you know, people are like, Hey, I'm designing a new logo. Do you want to take a look at it? Everybody's first response is to start micromanaging their graphic designer. I see it all the time. I'm going to tell them to shorten this and shorten this. And I'm always correcting them and saying, or maybe what you could consider is telling your graphic designer that this isn't working for you because of X and what you're trying to achieve is Y and not micromanaging and actually trying to be a graphic designer. Cause guess what? You're not. Yeah. They, they know, Didn't you know, RISD. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. The other thing that's a, just a simple test for folks. So you mentioned two things you wanted, um, to avoid a typographic logo. And for the audience, what that means is using some sort of font like an A, B, C, D, E, F, G to represent your logo. And that Mm -hmm. is often really difficult to read, especially in cursive, like the curly cues. And so if you print whatever logo you have really small, but Mm -hmm. also print it really big, and is it recognizable in those two dimensions? then you can tell whether it's going to be good on a sign and good on your card and good on your website, because if it's not, you're missing one of those dimensions. Um, so that's a, oh, that's a great little test. Um, let's talk a little bit about agent technology because we're in, we're swimming in technology today. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know how you determine which tools to implement for your team. Oh, that's a great question. So, um, uh, there's a lot of methods behind that. And so if we're talking about, let's, let's put them in buckets. So let's yeah. talk about lead generation to start with. Lead mm-hmm. generation is really a journey of AB split tests. I think we can all agree that, you know, lead generation at a certain point, you can do enough research. You're going to dive in. And I, I think of ZTR just comes up in my mind. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and it, what I know is I'll be on a Facebook group and someone in Florida is raving about, you know, one of the three. And then someone in California is raving about another one of the three. And then someone in New York's raving about another one. And then I'll try one of them and it doesn't work at all. And then I'll try one and it completely changes my business. So, you know, I think partly with lead gen, it's trying to dip your toe in the water with short contracts to start with at first, which you can often do. If you're, if you're a new client, you can often get cancel clauses or, or what have you. And, you know, trying that, Um, and so that's my best answer, not very scientific. And yet, you know, I think with lead gen, every market's different. I also think that if you're consistent on the back end, so, you know, as a team, we use the same conversion methods for each, um, we can truly split test because we are doing the same thing basically for everyone. There might be some variations, you know, based on the lead gen sources, but we're consistent. So the only variable that's potentially changing is the actual gen source. Yeah, that's great. So you have a process in place for once Mm -hmm. the lead comes in from whatever source it comes in for, and then you can tell which ones are more performant or not. Correct. And you know, it does take time. I think that, I mean, I don't want to bunny trail too much and I want to stay on your question. And yet, if we're talking about ROI on lead gen, it's fascinating because what are you talking? Same day, same week, same month, same quarter, same year, five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's a cumulative effect. It, it you know, measuring ROI is, um, there's a lot of ways to skin that cat, I guess. So, you know, that's another way though we do choose, um, you know, lead gen tech. So for operational tech though, um, you know, um, behind the scenes stuff, I don't micromanage it. it I, I'm the art director, remember? So my job yeah. is to, you know, empower my people 
to, um, to kind of be the people to, to choose and, and to, you know, make decisions on their own. What my job is to do is tell them how I want the needle to be moved forward though. And, you know, what, what do I want? What do I, what do I, what am I visioning for us? What do, what do I want to deliver to the client? What do I don't want to deliver to our agents? And then it's their job. It's funny though, <laughs> because that makes me sound awesome. And yet, you know, <laughs> real life happens. And I'm just, I'm literally remembering a meeting I had this morning with my director of operations. And, you know, we're talking about a platform we use to run something. And, and I just said, my, one of my best friends owns that company and runs that software, it's non-negotiable. We're supporting him. And so, you know, <laughs> there, I, I, I will sometimes stake, you know, put my, yeah, put my stake in the ground and just say, look, you guys have freedom on everything you do. This one's for me. About this. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. um, I mean, I think one of the things that's really hard is when you give folks the freedom I guess the question that that leads me to is how do you how do you pick this is sort of jumping ahead to some other questions that I was thinking about. But how do you pick the right people that you can empower? Because we started this conversation and I said, well, what fuels your success? And you said, hey, I've got 11 amazing folks on my team. How did you get those people? Because picking 11 amazing folks out of the thousands that might be in your market, it doesn't seem like it's that easy. Well, I actually have 11 agents there. I have four staff on top of that. So, um, you know, it, it is, it is the thing recruiting talent is my one thing for my business. And I I think that for any entrepreneurs, that's probably true. I mean, that's kind of our everything. I know that, but yes, I agree. It's well, when you learn it, actually let's go there because when when you learn it is when you actually get talent, when you, you think you have talent in the room until other talent shows up and you go, Oh, Oh, that's what it's like. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. whoa. Like I thought I was there and now I have this and, and, and the bar just keeps getting raised. And yet, um, you know, it didn't start that way. I, um, I, I always say, you know, I started the via group in December of 2013. In reality, I fumbled through, I actually started, quote unquote, started a team at the beginning of 2013. Mm. And I went through like four assistants and like, I don't even know, three or four salespeople. It was a hot mess. Like it just was a hot mess. And so you would say, you know, via like, what was the seminal event, like December of 2013 to make you say you actually formed your team then, right? I mean, because I told you, I kind of fumbled along. And and it has to do with your question, trust me. And and the answer is, is that I, I... this is just a, such a truth. It's such all short stories. <laughs> stories are funny. I was in this Facebook group and it was this really cool, small group of amazing people. And the guy running the group, his name is Seth Campbell. Okay. He's still a good friend of mine. He, uh, good first name, right? And, um, yeah, I like that. He, he said, okay, everybody, we're going to do some exercises together. And one of them is I want everybody to write their mission, vision, values, beliefs, and perspectives, you know, of their company. And if you don't do it, you're getting kicked out of the group. And mm. so I, you know, I'm like, oh, I really like this group. I'm getting a lot out of it. I could ask questions on there. It was like a really good group of people. And so I got kind of ticked. I'm like, geez, I don't have time for this. You know, I've got to, 
I've got to sell homes and I've got to, you know, hit my numbers and whatever. And I stopped for a hot second, you know, which doesn't happen a lot. And I, I, I wrote out my mission, vision, values, beliefs, and perspectives, and it changed my, my world. It changed everything because I, I remember I wrote it and I was like, oh my gosh, like, how was I even hiring before this? If I didn't even know what I was trying to yeah, build, how could you I find wanted, it? Yeah. Like who was I looking for? Right? Like who, yeah. who really? It wasn't principle based. It was just, you know, this wild pursuit of more. So I, um, I really spent time on it and started internalizing it. And then my first hire, December of 2013, after my MVVP, that's when I formed the VIA group. Like that's when it, that, that was my first hire after I wrote it in like November, I think it was, or October or November. So, you know, in answer to your question, I, I, you know, at this stage, three plus years down the road, um, I know who works well. I know, I know from a sales agent perspective, I know who's going to work in our training and development system. From a staff perspective, if they're direct reporting to me, I, mm-hmm. I just so clear on what's going to work and what's not. And some people are going to respond really well to me and some absolutely are not, you know, and so you just get some clarity on that and you, 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 you understand what you're focused on and, you know, and everything. And that's how I think that's how you get people you know, that's how you get that great team of great people. But there's a lot of failure. Boy, the last three years, we could do a whole podcast session on it on failing on hires, you know, if you want. Um, (laughs) I actually want to talk about uh, a marketing strategy that just totally bombed. You have one Mm. of those? (laughs) No, never. What? No. Yeah. I do. Um, I used to sell radio advertising before I got into real estate. So I thought, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I am going to pony up and, you know, Seattle, Washington. Yeah. It's expensive. Yeah. I was going to say, we're not like a, you know, podunk USA is an expensive market. And I literally, I had like two sales agents at the time and we had this small little geographic area. And what I failed to understand (laughs) is that radio goes all over Western Washington. I mean, it's huge Uh, here. Oh, I know where this is going. Oh, and then on top, I mean, we just didn't know, like we didn't know anything and it was way back and, you know, it's probably ego driven. I don't remember, but I'm let's, let's say it was probably an ego driven decision. I don't even know. And I, I must've blown eight or $10,000 in like two months and literally did not yield one lead, let alone one sale. It was yeah. just a total failure. And that's not to say radio is radio is awesome, but I I was nowhere near ready at all for that. Yeah, it just it, you know on every level that was a premature decision. And you didn't have the coverage, so if you got someone in Western Seattle, like what were you going to do? Like hike out there? We. We didn't even know who was answering the phones. <laughs> it was beyond coverage. Like, I don't think at the time we were even capable of, of taking a call. <laughs> I don't even That's know awesome. What we were thinking. I'm so yeah. glad you shared that. Thank you. Oh, well, my pleasure. We'll be right back with more from the Marketing Genius Podcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Marketing Genius Podcast. To show our gratitude, Playster is offering an exclusive deal just for our listeners. For a limited time, mention the podcast and get 20% off your first three months of an advanced Playster subscription. To learn more, give us a call at 800-728-8391 or visit playster.com forward slash listen 20.
Welcome back to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Let's pick up where we left off. Um, you're pretty active on social. Like you've got, you know, I don't know, four or 5,000 followers on Twitter. And uh, I see that you, like I look at your posts and you've, you actually, they're from recent, you know, yeah. they're from today or yesterday or, yeah. you know, and you're, you're active. So how have you used social to benefit your business? And then the second follow-up part to that is how can other agents do something that works for them? I, so I love social and I think that's, that's probably the first thing. And, you know, with all the social media platforms, you know, be it snap or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, um, I think people naturally gravitate towards one and, you know, and for me it's Facebook. I I love Instagram. Instagram is fun. eye candy. Instagram is fun when I'm three minutes early to an appointment and, and I can look through the slideshow of people's lives. Facebook is my medium. And so, you know, I found my voice on there and, and I started by observing a lot way in the early years. And then, um, I, I decided to be brave and be authentic and raw and somewhat unedited and, and discovered a good voice. You know, Facebook works for my writing style. It works for my quirky sense of humor. It works for how I take photos, you know, and whatever. So I think the first thing is, is, is finding your medium and then dominating that may not be Facebook for you. You know, um, I, I think there, I, you know, uh, one of my friends, Ben Kinney just rocks on Twitter, right? I'm never going to. He loves Twitter and I'm never going to rock on Twitter. It's just never going to be my, my jam. I mean, I get on there sometimes, but that's his deal, right? You know, I rock on Facebook. I, I have, I, I'm in awe. There are some funny Snapchatters and and some really good Snapchatters. And, and so what I use it for. Okay. So I use it for a lot of things. Very purposeful. I'm pretty purposeful about most things I do. I'm very purposeful about social. I like it for social proofing. So, you know, I like it for, um, if people are going to, I'm always thinking about if people are going to look us up, you know, what are they going to see and how is it going to impact their decision to hire us or to come work for us? Mm -hmm. Um, I use it for recruiting. So a lot of my, um, you know, my goal on social media and, and, you know, like many people, I tend to have themes for my year. My social media goal this year is to edify others. So every time I go to an industry event, um, you can tell when I've been somewhere because I'm posting on their walls. So, you know, my goal is I'm, I'm putting the post on someone else's wall is if their colleagues and their clients are reading it. So yeah. I, I was thinking back to, um, I, I um, posted a picture of Sue Adler it, it, from Inman on stage. And I said, uh, and I thought to myself, you know, her, her clients need to know what a rock star she is and what, what a big stage this in fact is. So I posted something on her wall and I said, Sue Adler has been chosen among, you know, thousands of real estate agents around the country to present to the top tier of her peers. And we are learning amazing things from her. And, you know, and I sent a picture, I put it on her wall. I do that all the time for people. It's one of my joys in life. And so I do that for my team on my own page as well. That also really helps with, with recruiting because I think you're showing a culture, you know, yeah. and you're, you're kind of showing victories and, and, you know, and showing wins. And, and it's easier for me to edify. It's easier for me to say, Kayla's a rock star. She's helped 15 people into homes this year than it is for her to say it about herself. Yeah. Without a doubt. I, um, I'm just publishing a book and one of the chapters is R for recognition and it's not 
how a lot of people thought about it when I was telling them, it's not about recognizing yourself. It's about recognizing mm-hmm. others. Yeah. And I think there's such a, it's almost like there's a lost art in the selfie era, which is <laughs> everyone's so good at like, look at me, I'm awesome. Look at this great shot. I'm eating ice cream or I'm on the beach or whatever it is. But doing that for others. Oh, it's the best. It's just, it's so satisfying. It is. Like it's, it's just such a different, and and also truthfully that the folks that you do it for, they notice and they remember. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's super impactful. Um, so yeah. I want to talk about coaching a little bit because mm-hmm. you are also a coach for Keller Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, in working with agents, what do you find are the biggest sort of universal issues that they're struggling with or mistakes that they're making? Yeah, it's a great question. It's actually a funny story how I got into coaching because I mean, I'm in Gary's, uh, Gary Keller's top agent group. And, uh, he said, Hey, everybody, um, we're going to kind of up the criteria to stay in the group. And, and if you are in that group, you will pretty much do anything to stay in that group. It, it's, it's a pretty, pretty amazing opportunity to get to mastermind with Gary Keller and the other agents in there. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you all to, you know, be coaches for a year or two, because I think it's going to make you better coaches for your team. So I am not going to pretend that I leapt at the chance and yet I did it. And it has been, it has been one of the best things I have ever done for my, for my business and, and my team. Because when you have people that are not working for you, that are, that are paying for you to coach them, there's a different level of responsibility. You coach them differently. It's just different. Whether that's like, Maybe, maybe that makes me sound bad, but it's just no, the truth. I think, yeah, I think it's true. You know? I mean, you, it's you just the truth. The money exchange and the responsibility, you, you oh. have to pay attention to what you're doing. Different level, because that's <laughs> the job, right? Like with yeah. my team at the end of the day, my jobs, you know, I have a lot of hats that I wear and yeah. coaching some of them. That's my full-time job. So I, I specifically, so I only have, um, I only have four clients and, and I won't take on any more. And, um, and, and I, I very specifically take on clients that want to grow big businesses because I am not a trained coach. At the end of the day, I, I'm a business owner and, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I you know, there's, I, I want to, you know, respect the people that have, that are full time coaches that, you know, go to school for that and go to trainings for that and, and, and whatever. So my specifically who I hire are people who, who already have teams who want to grow them big. Mm-hmm. So let's just preface that. So the biggest, absolutely by far the, 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 the number one consistent thing when I start coaching with them is nobody is really tracking their numbers. Nobody's tracking their financials really. And nobody knows how to hire. I mean, yeah. those are the three kind of things that we always, it's like, it's like universal baseline start Yeah. for those things. And then we, then after that, we, you know, we kind of get into, to fine tuning. And then the other thing that is it, you know, changed my life, probably the second thing after that mission vision whole thing, um, is that I find a lot of people in the same trap that I found myself in, which is, you know, you're kind of going in year after year. I think a lot of business owners relate to this and you're like, all right, I'm going to arbitrarily, I'm going to go 20% up next year. I'm going to go 50%. Up. I'm going to double next year, whatever your goals are. And it starts to feel to quote someone like an undisciplined pursuit of more. And, yeah. and I, I found with my own, you know, with my, myself that, um, long story short, I, I created a 10 year plan for myself and, and it changed my, my world because I started, ha- you know, I could work backwards. 
And I started having immense clarity on where I wanted to be and then what that kind of needed to be broken up year by year. And, and it gave me, it, it told my brain, you're not risking everything and you're not making weird arbitrary decisions to just grow, grow, grow. What you're doing is, is we're mapping out a growth towards an end. And yeah. so, um, one of the, the, the great things I've done with all of my coaching clients is how, at least try to get them into a five-year plan mode. Yeah. Even, even if that's going to change my stance on it is that any North star is better than no North star. And, and, and even if you're going to adjust, cause my tenure, plan will change. I don't even know what I don't know about a decade from now. What I know though, is that I'm building towards something. It's mapped out. Uh, I, I know year on year on year on year, what I need to do to move the needle from here to there. So I help them with that a lot, you know, just, just having that focus instead of this blind pursuit of, of more, 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 bigger, 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 you know, and, and what is their exit? What are they building towards? Do they want to sell? Are they wanting to build a sellable asset? Do they want to what we call seventh level at Keller Williams? Do they want to keep working in the, you know, what do they want to do? What's the exit? Yeah, yeah. that is fantastic. I think in so many endeavors, but in the business realm, many people just decide they want to, they want to have a business. And so, well, you can have a business really easily, but what does that mean? And, and where are you going to go with it? I love the goal setting and I love the planning because I, I can't remember how many people have said this, but you know, without a plan, you're fail, you're planning to fail. Like you, you don't have any yeah. star to point you to decide and, and have that heuristic to decide what to do. Um, so I yeah. wanted, I noticed when doing some research about you that, um, you have about a hundred reviews on Zillow with a 4.9 average. Um, mm -hmm. we have, one of our brands, Real Satisfied, uh, is focused on that space, you know, customer sentiment, so surveys and then uh, reviews. And I'm curious, what steps have you taken to generate that kind of feedback? Because that's pretty awesome. Thank you. We actually have 116, but who's counting? Okay. <laughs> and uh, mark my words, we'll have 200 by the end of the year. Okay, that's a great question. And we, you know, when you start becoming customer centric and customer focused, you know, then, then that's the first domino. Yeah. And so, um, our, our, our filtering question, if we're going to implement almost anything on, on a transactional level is, is this going to benefit the, what's the customer experience? So our viewfinder is an hour experience. It's not efficiency necessarily first. It's mm -hmm. the customer experience first. We'll back it out and try to make it efficient on our end. And yet we never lose that filter being customer centric. So then reviews. I have a ton of thoughts on reviews. Number one, your entire organization has to be review focused. So, you know, the, the, and the reviews need to be asked from the day you meet with them. So we, we changed everything. We, we, we added about a hundred of can't talk. We added about a hundred reviews in the last year. We, we wow. were at like 25 or something, I think a year ago. And, and now we're at 116, not quite a hundred. And, and it starts because at the buyer consult or the listing appointment, we now talk about it. And then um, there and what you, wait one second. What do you say? We say, you know, we, um, we give a, a script, you know, and basically the script is our promise to you is you're going to have an amazing experience. And we're going to ask you for two things in return. We're going to ask you for a referral 
and we're going to ask you a few times throughout the, the, you know, the process. And the other thing we're going to do is we're going to ask you for an online review. I don't know if you're aware of this yet. That really affects uh, people, you know, hiring us and we love your help there. And what we want you to tell us is if at any time during the transaction, we need to do better or there's something we need to do different, please know that we are open and receptive to that. I so, love that. um, so that, that happens from the sales perspective, but I think that for anyone listening, your admin, your operations department has to really, really buy off on it. So what I have done and what really started um, changing that number is my transaction and listing coordinator was getting her bought in and on board. And actually she has a bonus structure around that now. It is so important and paramount. She drives that ship, not me. Mm, And so, you know, she's got customer interaction all the time. And, and ultimately, you know, Megan's driving that much almost more than the agents, even though the agents are often the ones asking. The other advice I would give on reviews, don't wait till your deal code. You can have someone review you if you showed them one house. You know, they can review you at any time during the process. There's about five happy points, we call them, during a transaction. Every single one of those happy points, at least you need to ask them for a review. One of them is when they get the house. Yeah. And, and, you know, in a lot of our markets with 20 offers, 10 offers, they are very happy when they've won yeah, that that's house. A, that's a Ask great thing. for the review. Don't wait, you know. So so what are the, what are the five happy points? Yep. So, um, you know, getting the house, you know, actually, yep. you know, getting the house, getting through inspection, um, mm-hmm. you know, satisfying the inspection, um, getting the appraisal in at value and then um, getting final loan approval. And, well, there's five. So the inspection, let me, let me go back. The inspection is sometimes a happy point and sometimes not. So I'm going <laughs> yeah, okay. to give you six. I'm going to give you six because it depends. Yeah. Um, and then in Washington state, this is a little different for people. The signing appointment would be either four or five, depending on if you're including inspection. And then the closing would be five or six. So here in our state, we don't sign the same day that we close. We, we actually sign a few days before then we have the closing. So, so you have at least five happy points during a transaction where you're, you know, they're, they're thrilled, you know, appraisal came in at value. We're proceeding. Yay. And you know, you got final loan approval. Yay. And you know, and all these great things things. And so, you know, why everybody waits till closing day? I don't know. You know, we That's don't. That's great. I love celebrations. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to find out you are really energetic. I love your passion for what you do. And you <laughs> clearly you. have just thought through what you're working on. And I think that's so refreshing because a lot of us I don't want to say we fall into the things that we do, but we may not be as purposeful as we could be. And Mm -hmm. so I appreciate that. I'd love to know, where do you look for inspiration? Oh, yeah. Um, I um, actively seek knowledge out. And so I suppose inspiration. Um, So my head goes to knowledge because I I guess for me that is inspiration. So I um, read... um, I'll read slash listen to hopefully 36 books this year. That's, that's my goal anyway. Nice. Um, 
I travel once a month usually. Um, and that's been consistent for the last five years of my life as my business. And, and my business has gone from about 10 million in volume a year to 70 million in volume a year. And I've increased my travel, not decreased. And so when I travel, I'm either teaching and training or I'm a student, you know, one of the two, or, or I'm in a mastermind, which I would call yeah. myself a student at that point. And, um, and I, I, I'm very, I am very purposeful about it. I, I don't just go to Keller Williams events. You know, I I go to Inman. I go to, um, some vendor, uh, things, you know, there, there's a couple of, you know, Boomtown or Zillow or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, this year on my, um, I've got a goal sheet, you know, I want to go to a Tony Robbins event for instance. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm very purposeful about that. I listened to, um, um, podcasts, you know, I read articles. I, I'm, I'm a seeker. I mean, I am, I, I, I am actively looking for conversations everywhere to inspire me and teach me. That's awesome. That's it's hard awesome. to pinpoint down. How, it's everywhere. Right? That is great. What's the best way for folks to find out more about you and more about uh, your team? Oh, yeah. Uh, via central.com. Via is spelled V-I-J-A. Um, that's our website, uh, Facebook. We, we talked about being social. Um, so, you know, it's, it's the via group on Facebook again, V I J A. And, um, you know, personally, my personal page on Facebook is usually published to the public. I don't hide a lot of posts, so, um, you can follow me there. Thank you for asking. And aren't you via via on, oh, on, on Instagram? Twitter? Yeah, on, on Twitter and Instagram, my moniker is Via Via. Thanks for you pronounced it right. <laughs> uh, and that's obviously V I A V I J A. Yeah. Awesome. Um, this is Seth Price, your host of the Marketing Genius Podcast. I have really enjoyed this conversation. Connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Seth Price. Connect with us at Playster forward slash academy. So it's playster.com forward slash academy for over a thousand articles and videos on how to market better. And you'll find the podcast there as well. And I look forward to having a great week. Via, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com slash podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the all-in-one business platform for real estate professionals. With beautiful websites, lead management, marketing automation, analytics, free education, and 24-7 support, Playster offers everything agents and brokers need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.